0: All right, welcome back into the ref. This is the home of Sooner fans. It is OU Texas week, and we've got you covered. Uh, Yes, I'm going to be in Ardmore on Friday morning. So I think I owe Larissa a text. Yes, Larissa, I will be at Ardmore on Friday, and I am very excited about
1: it. Hey, it is OU Texas week.
0: You know, there is a part of me that feels like we miss out on a little bit of the fun by not being in Fort of Worth. No, I'm sorry. They're in Dallas, aren't they, where that uh, hotel is? Not being with the OU Club of Dallas and not being down there with all the alumni association. But this is a little trip to Ardmore is pretty nice. We used to do, (laughs) if Pop's listening, he knows. Josh, back in the day on 1430, The Buzz, Uh when we were two to six, we used to do our show from the OU Club of Dallas' official uh, pregame party. And what made that so memorable.
1: On, on game day? On or Friday. On sorry, Friday. Sorry, Friday, yeah, Friday. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And this started once I started doing sidelines. So now, this started about 2011.
1: Now their party, is it an
0: afternoon deal? Yes.
1: Uh, th- that's what I thought, yeah. Correct.
0: I was, we were on two to six. And what made that event so memorable was they had a polka band that started playing at 3 p.m. So you would have an hour of unfettered, uninterrupted, just great OU Texas talk, and then you'd have three hours of me fighting with a tuba player or a sousaphone player or whatever to try to be louder than them.
1: <laughs> yeah, because that, that noise, man, it adds up.
0: But it was really cool. I'm not, it was It was amazing because it was just – it was fun. Right, and you were with the Sooner fans, and there was tons of people there, and about every third song was Boomer Sooner, and I don't know if you've really truly enjoyed Boomer Sooner unless you've heard it played by a polka band. All right, that's another first down, Boomer, Boomer. Okay. You know those things you guys get as season ticket holders. You know you can make that go away. You really can't. All right, you um, you <laughs> let your voices be heard. Just let your voices be heard. Can we stop saying? Boomer after every first down, and whenever we're all trying to sing along with a song, please stop screaming "Boomer" into the microphone. There was such a mighty pushback
1: to the first down <laughs> Boomer thing after the K State loss last year.
0: I, I didn't, know, yeah, it's, and I didn't even notice it to be honest with you until someone said something. It's like, oh, they're still doing that. <laughs> but hey, my man's fighting the good fight. Uh, they do such an awesome job. All right, you ready um, for some of this post-game audio here real quick? Absolutely. Text line's on fire. It's fantastic today. It's OU Texas week. But let's let's take care of some true sports bills here. Number one, Dylan Gabriel is playing really, really well. And, you know, you – the leadership that you're seeing from him should be expected, right? He's a sixth year guy. He's been in it. He's lived it. He knows it. Second year in this system. I'm sorry, fifth year guy. Second year in this system. What has Jeff Lebby seen from Dylan Gabriel on that front that's really stood out to him?
2: Yeah, I think again, he's just incredibly confident with where he's at inside, inside the locker room, inside this building, uh, inside um, this interlocking OU. You know, I, I think that's where his comfort level has grown dramatically, and um, it's it's been great to see. He's got to have a great week and got to have a great day tomorrow recovering and, and getting back ready to roll.
0: Mm. I will say Jeff Levy's not going to give you much post-game. It's just that's kind of his personality, and that's fine. Especially not uh,
1: probably going into this week.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm still scarred from that old man. Uh, sorry, sir. El- uh, elder gentleman. whenever we're doing the coaches' luncheon and people are asking questions, and this – this man, very focused, very determined, grabs the microphone and says, Coach, are we going to score at Texas this year? And I was like, oh, my gosh, I am getting fired. And then he kind of he kind of nods towards me, and Jeff Levy has the great line. Well, well, if we don't, I won't be sitting here next year. And the guy I thought was going to say at that point, I'm just joking, Coach. I, so I put the mic back in front of the guy's face, and he goes, that was painful. I'm like, all right, thank you, sir. Let's run over here. There was some young little boy that was a hero that asked the next question. I will pay for that kid's college. He saved my life that day. Um, but, yeah, it's a it's a fair point. Do you want to hear what that sounded like? No, I don't want to. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead.
1: Coach
0: Levy, are we going to score against Texas this year? Huh. Wow. <laughs> I, I, I would like to say that if won't be sitting here next <laughs> to <time. laughs> There you go. Thankfully, you didn't hear the, that was painful in the background. Um, are we going to score against Texas this year? Hey, this is OU, you, baby. When things go wrong, you're going to hear about it. Mm. Mm. Zach writes, does two wins against Texas this year wipe away the 49-0 loss?
1: It would definitely help. I'd say yes. Especially if one of them is pretty uh, thorough.
0: Okay, I'm sorry. Back to Levy. I gotta, I'm got. i closing the text line for a bit. I'm just shutting it. Because <laughs> you guys are really good. All right, so that's Levy on Dylan Gabriel. How about the game plan? How about the game plan? This is two years in a row where Oklahoma has gone into a matchup against Iowa State, a defense that is known for shutting teams down. And they've had some success. To Saturday, they did things against the John Haycock coached offense that you just don't do. Jeff Levy talked about his game plan.
2: felt like we had good matchups when we got the ball downfield. We underthrew a couple of them where we were a little bit late and guys made really good plays. Um, but did like our matchups down the field, even with the, their structure and how they play. felt like when the ball was in the air, we, ha- we had an advantage. So it was good to see our guys make plays.
0: Mm. Agree.
1: That was a really nice play by Brennan Thompson coming back to the football.
0: It was. Dude, there was a lot of Brennan Thompson talk post-game. I, I guess there would be – and he even showed up in the post-game interview room. I was like, oh, who's that – oh, that's – what's Brennan Thompson doing here? And they're like, well, yeah, had big catch. I, did they give it to him on a run, too? So, here was Jeff Levy talking about adding that speed to the offensive attack when you add a guy like Brennan Thompson and what that means.
2: Yeah, it was good. It was good. He's just another guy that's going to create depth for our room. We got – we got a bunch of guys in that room that can play, so uh, proud of that that group, and got to continue to man to get better every single day, and, and got a chance for that that entire group to have success.
0: Saturday night was just the seventh time Iowa State has allowed more than 40 points since the start of the 2017 season. Seventh, you said uh, today uh, tonight marked only the seventh time Iowa State has allowed more than 40 points since the start of the 2017 season, and only the second time. Iowa State has allowed 50 or more points in a game since 2015. Now you go back and talk to someone in the 80s, early 90s like seven time. Yeah, those guys stink. That defense is terrible, but with today's <laughs> modern offense. that was a little
1: that was a little bit my reaction there
0: too yeah, I was, it saying like, I was like seven. Uh, Oklahoma's 50 points were the most or its most against Iowa State since 2015. And the Sooner served for 366 yards, which was the most allowed by Iowa State since the 2020 season. And speaking of 2020, it was the first time that OU scored 40 points in a half, in a first half, against a conference opponent since 2020. Not too shabby. Uh, and one of the reasons why they were able to do that, Josh, was Jaden Gibson. I still contend it's one of the most amazing plays I've ever seen from a wide receiver. I mean, he went up, got it, stayed on his feet. Jeff Lebby talked about that play and the emergence of Jaden Gibson.
2: Won the competitive catch for sure uh, in the middle of the field the way it was. Um, But just being able to score now, not making a snap it again. We talk about that all the time. You got an opportunity to score score now. Don't snap it again. Uh, He was able to find his way to get in, and that was huge.
0: I talked to Jaden Gibson on the field after the game. And I think I've said this a lot on this show. I really homer out for this kid, no, uh, no cap. I love him. I, I I hope he has incredible success because I watched him and I watched him like a hawk last year, and he 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 was in a rough spot, man. There were spats with coaches, there was spats with teammates, and now you see a guy. It's just it's almost like it's a different person. It's like somebody took Jaden Gibson and replaced him with this bubbly, happy, physical, um, sponge-like dude that's just over there learning and talking and talking and learning. It's incredible to watch. I'm really happy for him, Josh. And now he's a guy when you compa- uh, when you you know add him with Nick Anderson that's really stepping up and made, making a major difference.
1: Yeah, those two guys. Uh, what four grabs? Couple of touchdowns over. 100 yards between the two of them. So, great to see. We wanted big-bodied wide receivers to step up and go start making plays. And it was really, when you say that, for this roster, it's really those two, right? I mean, you're really saying, okay, hey, Nick Anderson, Jaden Gibson, can we see those sophomore leaps? And we we have seen more of that before uh, this past Saturday from Nick Anderson. And to see that catch and, uh, you know, the power and the finish from Jaden Gibson, it's good. It bodes well for next week for
0: sure. So I was talking about the running backs with – that's the best way to put this. Let's just say someone who would understand the running back role at Oklahoma better than anyone. And when I was talking to this person, I asked that same question. This was pregame that thousands of us have asked, what's going on? Is it the O-line or is it the running backs? Is it the blocking or is it the vision or is it the running and his point to me was, I think it's a little bit of the running backs right now. He goes, but it's also hard with how they're rotating. In Oklahoma, you know, you look back on, I was trying to pull up the set, the final stats from Saturday night while I was in the midst of this, but it was it was pretty obvious that they were going to feed Marcus Major, right? He was going to be that guy a majority of the night, but... You know, they still they got Gavin Sawchuck in there to give him more of an opportunity and looked a little bit better, right? Dylan Gabriel has become a very effective runner. Uh, they, did the, they did the sweep with Stoops that was successful. Tywee Walker had his best run called back. But I bring that up only because this person's point to me was, I want to see one of these running backs be that dude. Mm-hmm. I want him to just, when you're out there and he runs and he picks up a first down, he's standing up and he's feeling it, right? Or he's he's letting everyone know he's the guy. And, Josh, I thought early in that game, I was seeing that from Marcus Major. It's like, all right, there we go. But, unfortunately, what it just wasn't, it wasn't real consistent, was it? I mean, you're talking about 19 carries on the night, 66 yards, and that's still only a three and a half average yard per carry, which was his lowest of the season since the Arkansas State game. And he didn't touch the football against Tulsa.
1: And uh, it's not just the running backs. You know, I mean, let's, I agree. Just, let's be fair to it. The The second and one, third and one plays where you can't pick up a yard is a little bit alarming for, for Oklahoma. It, it is. And then you had to use the quarterback run game to go pick that up. And I think OU is going to need more of that. This, uh, this Saturday and going forward. They cannot, it doesn't look like, effectively run in between the tackles on a consistent basis right now. So it's going to have to be some quarterback run game. I would say uh, probably this weekend, I mean, you don't want to totally go away from it, Plank, but honestly, Oklahoma, to me, based on what I've seen, they're going to be most effective running to the boundary. That's
0: just that's yeah. what this team is right now. Here's what, here's what Jeff Levy said about Marcus Major and what he saw from him on Saturday night.
2: Yeah, I thought he got into a little bit more of a rhythm today. Uh, we left some things out there, but, again, I, I was proud of him for how he started uh, and played all the way through, again, continuing to take care of the ball, uh, doing a nice job from a pass-pro standpoint. So look for him to just continue to be better and better.
0: But here is the one thing that we did learn, and it was something that you and I speculated. I, I I don't think Trav minds me throwing him in the mix because we communicate so much during the show, but Travis was has brought it up. This isn't a case right now of Javante Barnes just being benched. This isn't a case of Gavin Sawchuk just not getting opportunities. They are both hurt now. Sawchuk, as Coach Venable said, you know you're starting to see he's getting more reps in practice. It's getting better. But Javante and, and but Javante Barnes, you know, unfortunately, I don't know if he had a reaggravation or if it just. The injury, once he ran a couple of times a few weeks ago, it just didn't respond the way they wanted. But it's real simple. He just hasn't been healthy enough. It, it got me thinking, you know, I, I, I'm i not giving up on either Barnes or Sawchuck, but for that group that's, why are they not playing? This is ridiculous. They're going to transfer. You know, we've talked – We've said it on this show, on this station. Toby has said it on his show. Brent Venables told Toby on the coach's show last week and the week before that that Javante was dealing with something and no one wants to believe it. But now I think you're finally to that point where you're like, oh, yeah, he's obviously dealing with something physically that's keeping him from being on the field. Like there's there's no more he's just not getting an opportunity, Josh. You can't say that. He's just not healthy. Would Javante Barnes be the number one guy – if he if he was healthy. See, that was going to be my hot take today is I think he's their number one running back.
1: Yeah. He might very well be, but uh, obviously he's just not healthy. Not not healthy and they appeared to want to try to knock some of that rust off of Gavin Sachuk this past weekend too. I'm still when I when I'm watching him run feels like that 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 giddy up is is a little slow to get started as compared to what we saw in the bowl game a year ago. So, I, I don't think that he's fully back either, which means to me, it's Major and Walker for this Texas game, based on what we've seen. And uh, and hopefully hopefully they can uh, get the run game cranked up. They're going to need it.
0: Mm. Agreed. Agreed. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the defense. Is there an overriding thought for you on the Oklahoma offense, though, on Saturday night, Josh? Is there anything – because to me it was just, like, complete. I thought it was a complete performance. Even though you didn't get a 100-yard rusher when they needed to run the ball, they were able to, and they had bad penalties. Yes, uh, I know opposing teams have only been called for one hold so far this year. But is there anything that really kind of just as a final thought on the offense for this segment that stands out? Again, you know – Would like to run the
1: ball a little more effectively in between the the tackles, conventional run game, instead of having to use maybe as much quarterback run game. But hey, if that's the way this Oklahoma team is going to be effective running the football is mixing in the quarterback run game, then that's that's what you're going to have to do. And ultimately, yeah, it was such an efficient night. I mean, we ran down the numbers. Nobody has uh, over the last however many years been putting fifty on Iowa State, and Oklahoma went and put fifty on Iowa State. So. When you hear me talking about the run game or offensive line or this or that, I don't want it misconstrued that Oklahoma didn't do a bunch of really positive things offensively. Dylan Gabriel was great. I loved what we saw across the board from the wide receivers. So, it's an Oklahoma offense that is going to be the best offense that Texas has seen.
0: Yeah. All right, quick break. When we come back, let's hit on the defensive side of things next right here on The Ref. All right, it's the Plank Show right here on The Ref. With Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. This is the home of Sooner fans. All right, um. Let's hear from the defensive side of things. And then we'll get to the phones, we get to the decks, and we'll do our uh, five things we've taken away, learned from Saturday. I'll go hit Coach's Corner with Todd Bates and Bill Beanboat today. And then we'll all uh, get ready for a Tuesday show. So, Brent Venables, after two incredibly insightful questions to start his press conference was asked an even more insightful question. I thought this was good. So what happened? When you look back, where were the uh, mistakes that led to some of the big plays and the issues early for the Oklahoma defense? Here's what Coach Venable said. You expose
3: some things and where we got to get better. Again, scheme fundamentally, technique, eyes, all those things, responding to some adversity, you know, when nobody likes to give up a play and be that guy that is responsible you know, for, for giving up a play and, uh, but I, again, I love the, the ownership, the leadership. That's part of that. That won't be the, the, the last time, you know, that we face real, you know, on the field adversity. And, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of opportunity to grow and get better, you know, through, through that.
1: Those two touchdown passes, it
2: looked like guys were going for interceptions when the receiver was catching the football. Was yeah. it as simple as
3: that? Um, there's, I think at a couple of different, the levels there, um, but our middle of the field players got to stay in the post, and that can't happen, you know. So we got to have a little more discipline there. And uh, uh, situation, I thought the quarterback put it on them, and I thought they did a good job, the route running, and uh, hit it just right. So I thought they had, you know, really good execution as well, and that caused us to do that. And then that third and two, you know, just right over. We have a defender underneath, and. Uh, we had a defender outside, had a defender inside and just split us. You know, so uh you can't you know, you can't do that on defense and we gotta be we gotta be better than that. And so it'd be good to be able to chew on him a little bit this week.
0: Mm. Mm. Chew on him a little bit this week. Teddy said I was listening to his uh pod with Gabe, and he said outside of that one play, Billy Bowman had an incredible game. And when we were, and when we were standing there waiting to talk to Billy post game, uh, Gabe had some great advice for me. He's like, "Don't run into your teammate." It is wild when you watch those highlights, Josh. You watch the highlights of just those two plays. Billy Bowman almost looks like he thinks his teammate has the ball. Yeah, I don't know what happened there to to Bowman on that play,
1: and then the the Key Lawrence play. It's like. I don't know. They just I don't know if they lost the football in the in the lights or something. It was really weird. It was
0: just bad angles. It was wild. I mean I don't I, I don't know if Key Lawrence would have picked that off and I don't know if the fear over a potential targeting penalty it, it changes that. But I, whenever I if you haven't seen it yet, I'm sure most of you have. I I don't I I just on, on both of those plays, I guess just, and Billy Bowman even told us, he's like, dude, it's my eyes. He's like, I bad eyes. I made a really bad play. And that happens. You know, you hope it doesn't lead to seven, but in this case, it it did. Uh, the other thing, just real quick before we get uh, Ted Roof telling us about what he saw from the defense turning it around. You see now why there's not a lot of sacks on Rocco Becht. It's what we talked about. He's not some major scrambler. But it's Their offensive line is garbage, and yet he has this ability to extend plays. He has this this almost sixth sense. So whenever, I'm like, hey, I think Oklahoma's going to be able to get pressure and, and, and get some sacks on back. Oh, It's only one sack all year. Like, yeah, watch if they get out quick. They roll out. He's an elusive dude but doesn't run a lot. I think he's going to be good for them. I don't know what his future looks like. I don't know if he's the next guy, but for Iowa State, Josh, I can't wait, kind of impressed with Rocco Beck. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with
1: you. He's and solid.
0: He he has played uh, much better the past two weeks. Now, again, I didn't see him his first few weeks. So oh, it was terrible. Yeah, it was, I heard you know, it was pretty awful. But you
1: get your weapons back, sure. right? I mean, you have one game without Noel, and then Higgins and Noel, man. I mean, that's couple of nice little pass-catching
0: targets. Two other quick cuts here, both from Ted Roof. Let's start with Ted Roof and uh, about the team overcoming adversity here, Josh. He had obviously seen a defense that started out like a ball of fire with a big six. Then they gave up a play on a bust. What did Ted Roof see in his team and his defense to help it overcome adversity?
2: Yeah, there's adversity every week. Uh, you know, there, there aren't any weeks where there's no adversity, so – to be able to to adjust and respond the right way and our guys certainly did that. That's a positive, but we don't want to put ourselves in that position by, you know, allowing those explosives, but you know, that's that's the way it went, but again, proud of the way our guys, you know, finished it off.
0: And then one more here real quick from Ted Roof. What has he learned about this defense, right? There's as he said, there's adversity every single game, but what what has what has he learned about this defense? Yeah, uh,
2: the ability to respond. You know, we've we've done that a few times this year now. So, uh, you know, the more you you do that, the more that, that you believe and the more that's who you become. And, uh, you know, we've got to – but, again, we've got to eliminate some of those mistakes so we don't put ourselves in that position.
0: There you go. Good defensive performance in the second quarter and beyond for the Sooners. Can I say second quarter? Second half of the second quarter, or is that getting a little bit too much?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, what was it, from the nine-minute mark? Yeah, from the 9.06 mark of the second quarter and beyond, Iowa State doesn't score in the game. So,
0: Mm, Unreal. All right, let's get USC Brian in here before we grab a break on the Riverwind Casino Jackpot line. Good morning, USC Brian. What's going on?
4: You know it's always good in the neighborhood, my brother from another mother. I got a question for you, and it's something that I looked at over the weekend when I was watching – both USC and Colorado play. And and it really – and i I got to take a little bit to set this up, not long, but a little bit. I looked at a story that came out last week that said should, um, Ronnie James had to give up his $6 million NIL contract because he wasn't able to fill it because of his illness.
0: Uh-huh.
4: I've also heard that should, um, Caleb Williams has a similar deal with USC – Oh, oh, excuse me, the NIL out there. And it, and then I look at Shadour Sanders. He's driving around in a $190,000 Maybach SUV, and he had a $25,000 uh, watch on his wrist at one of the games. And I'm saying to myself, okay, the game Saturday proved to me that if you're willing to spend the money – and you're willing to go out there and get those players, you can turn any team from zero to hero in about three seconds. My question to you is, with the NIL situation at OU, do you think they are willing to spend that kind of money for players? If they are, they'll be, there'll be no problem with them going to the SEC and competing against anybody. If they're not, they're going to have a long
0: road to hope. Mm. I think, I think in the NIL approach, Brian, and Hey, it's good to hear from you, man. It's good to hear. From Take you. care, brother. You too. I think the NIL approach that Oklahoma, and, and I would even throw Texas in here is constantly evolving. I can speak more truth, obviously on, or I can be a little bit more insightful on Oklahoma. And, I know that you're starting to hear athletic directors come out. Gene Smith said this and say, you know, these guys are want to get paid for official visits. I don't think we're going to get in that game. I don't know if you can compare what's going on with Shador Sanders and Caleb Williams to about anything right now. Um, Caleb's was probably, what would you say, Josh, kind of the on the ground floor of NIL and exploded, right? Um we've got a great Caleb Williams NIL story that one of these days we're going to have to tell Perry. We're going to have to tell it one of these days, but I'm just Oklahoma's in a good spot. I don't think you're going to be in a game under Brent Venables where they're paying for visits. But I also think that this isn't a situation where anyone on that Oklahoma coaching staff is saying, we don't care about NIL. You're going to come here for football. No, no, no. They care and it matters to them and they know it matters to the players and their families. So it might be a little different approach, we're probably not going to hear about Bagman. We're probably not going to be dropping, uh, what, what did Tennessee use? McDonald's bags, Chick-fil-A bags. It's probably not going to be how it is. But the, the plan, the funding, and the vision is is good. I don't think you're going to see Jackson Arnold walking off the field with that $25,000 Rolex or what. I, I don't know how much watches cost. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't wear them. I have a phone that always tells me what time it is. So I don't, I don't know that you're ever going to be in that game. But I do think, Josh, in what they're doing and how they're presenting it and how much is available to these men, I think it's in a really good spot. Yes. Uh, I, I. You seem less sold on that right now. Well, <laughs> no. It
1: was one of those moments where somebody walked in to tell me something. So I oh, totally, sorry, sorry. I totally lost my train of thought. I was listening to you, and then I had a panic moment where I have no idea what you just said.
0: Okay. We were talking about NIL, and I think Oklahoma's in a really good spot. I really do. I don't like I said. They're not going to be. They're not going to be dropping bags. They're not going to be ever in a situation to where I think they'll necessarily get in a quote unquote bidding war. Right. I think you know what you're going to get. Um, and I think for certain guys, there's going to be maybe a little bit more. But I don't think you're going to see it end up where I heard Oklahoma gave this kid two hundred thousand dollars to go there. My I don't thought think that would be this gonna be a situation
1: let's continue to see how the next couple of years play out. But my indication is based on the way Brent Venables and the staff has recruited so far, there's, there's no big hurdles there for Oklahoma. They've whatever it is that they're doing name image likeness wise has been enough to be competitive and everybody will want more and more and more. But I don't know that Oklahoma has just lost some of these high profile recruitments simply because of name image likeness. I, I, I just don't totally subscribe to that. So Oklahoma's been more than effective. I think they will continue to be more than effective. And based on what I've seen, I think Oklahoma Oklahoma can win championships in this new climate
0: of college football. And I do think, you know, a- A&M had a really nice win this weekend, I thought. I thought A&M throttled Arkansas. I thought it was a really, really good win for them. And they have been known to be, what, one of the bag droppers. But even in that, Have they seen the results that they want? We're starting to get more of a handle on it. People are realizing you just can't ready-shoot aim with throwing cash up in the air. Has your kid – I'm sorry, Josh. Have you ever gone to a birthday party for a a family member and they have this booth that they go in and they turn on the wind or something and there's either money or toys or something or just – and whatever you grab, you get to keep. I think some people feel like the money phone booth. Right. I think some people feel like that's NIL. It's like, come on in. Take every dollar you want here. All right, you get what you grab. You're a defensive lineman, five-star. I'm going to leave this on a little bit longer. That's not really what it is. And there's they, the Royal Day NCAA conferences. No one wants the Wild Wild West because even in the Wild Wild West, there was law. Uh, And I also think that some of those teams that just went all in on NIL, it's like, we'll just spend. They're not holding up trophies. Well, you know what else is true? What's that?
1: Go win this week and continue to win. Go win a Big 12 championship, get to a college football playoff, win there, or uh, be competitive there. And guess what? You're going to have to spend less than a
0: lot of other programs because
1: at some point winning does matter.
0: Yeah. And I always like how we – I always like how people try to pigeonhole, like, the Nick Sabans and, the, like, the, the old guard as the guys that just don't embrace NIL. There might not be a guy out there as savvy with NIL or as savvy as Coach Saban is. I mean, it's just – it's not – it's not that they're getting passed by. Everyone understands the importance of it.
1: Well, we can't compare anything – to Alabama, I, I, and I know it's, well, why not? Because that's that's what we're chasing. Yeah. I, until you're there. You don't know. Th- well, that's just unfair. I mean, they, they don't play by the same rules as everybody else because of who they've been now. That might be Georgia now.
0: Might be Georgia now. Georgia might not be as good as they typically are. <laughs> I, I, I would imagine that the uh, the phone calls into the Athens home of Bulldog fans – I bet they've been pretty spicy over the last few days. All right, quick break. When we come back to the text line, it's Plank Show. Talking Sooner Football live from the University of Oklahoma on the RAF. All right, let's get uh let's get Mr. Sports in here. Four oh five three two nine nine thousand on the Riverwind Casino jackpot line. What's going on, Mr. Sports? Chris, thanks for taking my call. Mr. Sports, what's going
4: now, on with you? To drive a hundred and ninety thousand dollar SUV in Oklahoma, I just don't think that would be right. Because, I mean, you could slip out of town in a $65,000 one. Yeah, I know. But anyway, <laughs> okay, listen up. Who's
1: keeping track there's a, of those there's things, huh?
4: fan. There's an OU fan, a Texas fan walking down the beach, and they came across a glass bottle. And they both raced for it, and they grabbed it, and they are wrestling over it. And lo and behold, a genie pops out and tells them, okay, look, I'm going to give you guys one wish, each. Make it a good one. The Texas fan said build a wall all the way around the state of Oklahoma or all the way around the state of Texas. Nobody in, nobody out. Poof. It was done. He looked at the OU fan. The OU fan said you got this one wish now. Make it a good one. The OU fan said it's easy. Just fill it up with water. We hate Texas. (laughs) See you
0: Well played. Well played. Wouldn't you like? Wouldn't you be an accessory to murder if that happened? Or would everyone just swim and float to the top? Well, I think the genie would be. Maybe uh, in trouble for that. The guilty party, right? Not us. Boy, you, um, you, uh, you all are feeling some kind of way about USC Brian's call.
1: He probably, I guess, should stick to baseball. <laughs> reminiscing. I guess. For our
0: audience. He was so popular. USC Brian was so popular last week when he brought up old school baseball. Uh, Somebody even said uh, at one point, that brought me to tears. Yeah. Yeah, Brian. Now I think today it was like tears of anger. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's a different kind of tears. Uh, following what he said, I think the kids that BV is recruiting, writes the 405, are looking more for development and looking at the long money. Yes, NIL is playing a role. But BV is playing the long game. I don't disagree, but I still think it's a part of the conversation. What has Brent Venables consistently said? And if any of the recruiting gurus uh, have heard this mantra, mindset change, let me know. But he's like, listen, it's not the number one thing, but it's in the conversation when we're talking about NIL. I think more important, more important than NIL. Oklahoma had to show improvement this year in the recruiting game. So far, so good. Now, we're only five games in, and for a lot of you, this is the week that you needed to see or be sold on something, right, Josh? This was, hey, you're supposed to be 5-0 and based on that schedule, right? All you've done is what you're supposed to do. And because of Texas's win
1: at Bryant-Denny Stadium, it only cranks that meter up a little bit higher.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, here's a good point by Vinnie Paul. Look at USC and LSU. What an amazing job by Brian Kelly and Lincoln Riley in just one year. It's a smokescreen. Kelly has admitted his roster isn't where it needs to be, and I don't think anyone looks at USC and thinks their roster additions have improved in all the areas they want. I, I, don't, I don't disagree. I don't disagree. Uh, Does USC Brian know that Sanders' dad is wealthy? (laughs) Yes, I think. All right. um, Camo Sooner asks a question that I think we all need to address. You ready? I'm ready. Plank, Josh, what's your take on the lack of holding calls against our opponents O-line this season? Do you allow yourself, Josh Helmer, to enter into those conversations? Do you allow yourself – To dive into that world. It's
1: definitely curious, right? I mean, how could it not be to some degree? The other thing would be, is Oklahoma not putting its best foot forward to to go earn those kinds of penalties?
0: I just can't fathom.
1: I mean, one is crazy.
0: Right? It's,
1: It's almost unthinkable.
0: I mean, even Toby's in on it now. Toby keeps us, like, on the straight and narrow on everything, right? Yeah. And now even he's like, is there something going on here? So this weekend, I guess it kind of goes out the window because it's two teams that are leaving the league going up against each other. But, oof, I don't know, Josh. I have, I have never in my life saw something or witnessed something more – more conspiracy theory-laden that I just can't allow myself to accept. Right? I mean, well, just, yeah, there's you don't want no to. Live,
1: you don't want to live in the world that no, the, you know officials are out to uh, work against Oklahoma conspire against.
0: Uh, one more quick one here from the 4 Oh, no, let, let's get it when we come back. It's already ten fifty. We got our five things we've learned. We got Bill Beanbow and Todd Bates in the coach's corner today. Well, Josh and, and Connor are going to read your text coming up later on in the program. We're rocking on a Monday of OU Texas Week, brought to you by Vo- uh, Boyd Street Ventures right here on The Ref. A lot of good questions on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. Kevin in Tulsa asks, Will we have the first-half defense or the second-half defense Saturday? Uh, chalk me up for someone, Josh, that would really want the second-half defense. Don't you think that's a fair way to look at it?
1: Yeah, really just from the nine oh six mark of the second quarter on. Uh, the, uh, yeah. By the way, on that note, and I'm sure that you know this or have thought about it, but 259 yards, interception, the pick six early, touchdown field goal, touchdown field goal that Oklahoma surrendered to Iowa State. 259 yards they'd given up. By the 9:06 mark of the second quarter, uh-huh. they finished giving up 352. So they, I mean, they really,
0: <laughs> really tightened it down the rest of the way forward. Uh, Spence in Tulsa writes, "Go ahead and book multiple second-half targeting calls for each team to cripple them in the first half of their subsequent game. <laughs> it will be a flag fest on Saturday." Uh, and then one more quick one here on the running backs. Since Bards and Sawchuck haven't been healthy, do we see Hicks and Smothers get some reps, if not against Texas, maybe after that? I thought Sawchuck looked better. I did, too. I did, too. I've got Bill Beanbow in Coach's Corner today, so I'm excited to talk to him about the running game. Bill's been a great resource of information and knowledge, just in making sure we all understand better the the role of the offensive line in the run game, but – I know, Josh, your bigger concern has been in the interior of the offensive line over anything else, right?
1: Yeah, I just think all of it together, but it seems like they struggle to run there. And, you know, for me, Sawchuck included, run those guys to the boundaries. It's just right now it's what Oklahoma's most effective at. I think you're going to have to do some of that to be able to run in between the tackles. You're going to have to throw to -hmm. set up the run. It's just the way this team's constructed right now.
0: Oh, yeah, which, again – it's not always a bad thing, you know. The the bubble screens, you know. Ted said something on Saturday night during the broadcast that is that was wild. You, know, you hear that you are holding a passing attack. Bill Walsh used to always say, if you are holding a passing attack to four point five yards per game, it's like you are shutting them down. You hold a rushing attack to four and a half yards per carry, it's like. Eh. You're struggling to stop it. Yeah, we're in trouble. We're in trouble, right? And so a lot of those short passes, those little bubble screens or flares, whatever you want to call them, uh, shovel passes that Oklahoma has used some but not a lot, I mean, those those are effective running plays. Those are running plays in this offense. So you might not be gashing them, but you're having an effect running the football, and you're getting that defense going sideline to sideline. Uh, and it's scary, Gary. Nothing like a good halftime butt-chewing. Agreed. Agreed. And, by the way, I agree with Joe and Tulsa. I thought Sawchuck looked better. Maybe it's just a matter of times. like, hey, okay, you see what you – you feel that? All right, you're good. Take to that next level. But I, I – I would probably eliminate Hicks and Smothers from the conversation this year. I think that you've got the four that you're going to see. And unless Barnes, it ends up being something that's season-ending, right? That's the only way that I would see those two freshmen ending up in this mix. That's um, – I would say that ain't happening. They're not magically going to go out there and start on Saturday or, or – and I know, Joe, you weren't saying this – even down the road. Just my guess. All right, top five things we learned coming up next.